0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, fires
1: downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Live. And takes it all the way. DJ Moore has- What are the industry experts doing that is different to ADP in your best ball leagues as things happen here in 2023 at this current moment in time, early June? Lots of stuff to discuss, Sean. For long-time listeners of roto Overtime, we did mention on Friday that was the 600th edition of the show. So as we continue here, people who are with us for a long time will know of the MFL 10 of death. This is number 10. It's been going on, obviously, for 10 years. Some of the biggest names in the industry are involved in this. Each and every single year, we have Pat Thorman, we have obviously our own Sean Siegel here, Danny Carter, Sigmund Bloom, Mike Clay, we have J.J. Zacharyson, Romy, Reeves, Evan Silva, Mike Beer, Scott Barrett. It's a loaded cast every single season. Oh, it's always interesting, and usually, Sean, we used to look at this and we wouldn't have Best ball A4 run at this point with lots of drafts ongoing. You know, we wouldn't, and we'd be looking at this to see where are some of the, industry leaders looking for certain players and what are the surprises versus where we might think ADP is heading for that season but the interesting thing here is we have ADP kind of already established based on best ball season this being a best ball league we see some differences we see some different structures we see some different lineups and it's gonna be fun to run through some of the opening rounds of that today Sean for some of the people who maybe aren't familiar with the MFL 10 of death as a seasoned player in it I believe you've been in all ten of these, so you're you're well informed at this point. Share share with the the audience some of the the key insights here. This format is the old
2: MFL ten format, and it's an interesting kind of halfway point between. It's
1: interesting, Sean, when you mentioned MFL ten of death format. I'm quite sure there, because of the explosion of basketball, there's a lot of people wonder, probably wondering, what's MFL ten. I remember crushing in those pre-week one drafts to try and you know get your allocation up to, to see what you could win that season back in the day.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so obviously fantasy has exploded, best ball has exploded. And anyone who has come to it very recently is going to not have played in as many of these. But this was the original big best ball format. And we do have the fan ball, which at a certain point in time purchased the MFL 10s. We have those tools up on the site. Mike Beers, who is in this league, obviously put together our tool suite. And now we have Dave and Blair and Anthony building on to those. But the cool thing about this is that this is sort of a halfway in between format from the FFPC best ball leagues that you and I are going to be competing in with the listeners over the next coming weekends. Column, you have set up a super flex league draft for us this coming weekend The $125 full tournament league will be the following weekend. We're really looking forward to those. Obviously, we're also drafting in underdog, and Peter Oversett and I are doing that live on Wednesdays. You also have the audio feed here on the Road to this radio channel. If you could, please subscribe to that. That really helps us. The column, the FFPC is two running back, two wide receiver, and two flex. Underdog is two running back, three wide receiver, and one flex. And as Connor O'Driscoll has pointed out on the site, and I had an article that came out on Friday. We're going to talk about it more on the Wednesday show, sort of an elite QB, hyper-fragile approach to winning underdog. But one of the interesting points there is that underdog, even with the half PPR format, because it's a two-three-one format, the best that you can do at running back would be to have three guys in your starting lineup. And so there's a limit to how – you can really hit on them. Now with the ADP of 2023, FFPC, you could almost argue as a four running back, two wide receiver, optimal starting line. And that's probably not really that, but there's an argument to be made in that direction. One of the things with MFL 10 of death is that even as we move to more wide receiver heavy, and certainly as the market gives you a strong nudge in the direction of getting those wide receivers. This is more of a two running back, four wide receiver format because the necessity to build out the three wide receivers and then how the scoring works for the flex pushes it in that direction. With Underdog, we have more of a 2.5, 3.5 starting lineup when we're looking at running back versus wide receiver. So these three formats, I think, are interesting in the nuance. And when you're playing through those, you're working through your draft strategy i really enjoy those small differences and how they can actually manifest in a pretty big way once you put your whole draft together but on, one of the interesting things that we saw in this draft which again is sort of a one-off draft with the industry experts as you mentioned is that the running back versus wide receiver adp
1: tracked underdog adp almost exactly it it did that's really up until round four and that's kind of an area we're going to focus on today so round four turn at the 412 we have 25 wide receivers going off the board at that particular point and 16 running backs going off the board through that fourth round very very similar to what we're seeing in underdog at the moment but the big change Sean from what we're seeing in underdog drafting and I think it's been interesting I, I thought this would have tailed off a little bit quicker than it has and i think what we're going to see is when people who follow the likes of pat you know might read some of your reports that you write on this league or, or denny or mike or lord reeve for example if it's coming out with this draft board that the, the quarterbacks are sliding a little bit later we have seen them fall a little bit over the last week but they're still you know in that two, three turn range and, and starting to slide back in. But the big difference in this Sean is quarterbacks, two quarterbacks in round three, none before that. One quarterback in round four, two quarterbacks in round five, and then we get one quarterback in round six. So one quarterback in round seven, one quarterback in round eight. So true round if it quarterbacks gone. So we're seeing a big difference in, I guess, the utilization of you know your draft resources and quarterback in this particular format.
2: And it's interesting to have Josh Allen as that second QB sort of in the late middle of the third round. He's a guy who in my underdog drafts in the last week has been sliding into the third round. So Jalen Hurts, someone who with the two receivers, each of whom you compare him with in with the hybrid abilities, I mean, he's probably the most solid guy in terms of giving you both floor and ceiling and a lot of different ways to get to those points. One of the things that we're looking at is that Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, the best passer in the NFL, probably a reasonably high floor still. And we know that in a dream season, he's got a high ceiling, but it really is one path. Now it's a path that we feel very confident that he is going to take. And yet hurts a player who can get there in a lot of different ways. And unlike Mahomes, who has an aging star and then a lot of question marks now the question marks are exciting when you look at Kadarius tony sky Moore, Rashi rice and justin ross i mean if you get two of those four guys to break out then suddenly you have an unstoppable juggernaut so there are reasons to be enthusiastic and yet i thought it was surprising that hurts fell here i passed on qb at the 211 i passed on qb at the 302 i do think that those are somewhat interesting picks again that Show that we're going to do on Wednesday is going to talk about Elite QB with hyper fragile, And yet, as I work through a lot of the different elements of 2023, I am moving in the direction of thinking you probably don't want to spend that much at quarterback. The other interesting thing that we're going to track over the next month is that if you look at 2022 ADP at the QB position, when... The big tournaments released, you had the early drafts, you were coming off of a season in which Elite QB did pretty well. The quarterbacks in May were expensive, but by the time that we got to June, the prices had dropped and they didn't drop a ton more the rest of the way, except for Mahomes, which again is interesting in light of the fact that he was one of the players who hit in a very big way. So his price, you would argue, shouldn't have dropped. We'll see the direction that these guys take. We'll see what the eventual landing spot of DeAndre Hopkins does for an Allen or a Mahomes or a Deshaun Watson. But the QB pricing in this league and just in general, I think even with the new elite QB era that we are in, you still tend to see these guys go a little bit later in expert formats than high stakes formats we saw it again here and i do think the experts are on
1: the right track in this case the other thing sean that's interesting in this and we, we have seen this in the past shaken up adp a little bit but we have uh, five of the 12 teams starting wide receiver wide receiver in this then there is three teams with four wide receivers true five rounds but we do see a huge variety of builds throughout this in terms of the overall structures you go wide or running back a little bit earlier and we're going to go into your team in a moment to, to look through at kind of a little bit more depth but based on the you know strategy and the the scoring and so on that you mentioned earlier were you surprised to have five teams out of the 12 go wide receiver wide receiver or was that something that you were kind of expecting based on what we're seeing with i guess the wide receiver avalanches in 2023 right the the
2: avalanche can really get you so i don't Think it's surprising at all. And if anything, I think it's a little bit surprising that we didn't get maybe one more team go that route. But one of the things that drafters are having to deal with right now, and this is something that Pete and I had to deal with last Wednesday, is that once you hit T. Higgins at wide receiver 15, there's a massive tier break. And so I think that Pat Thorman with the 101 would have also liked to have gone receiver receiver he has Justin Jefferson to start but at the turn he takes Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb both of those picks I think are fantastic I took Brees Hall at the 302 and then the next couple picks Patrick Mahomes and Mark Andrews Mike Clay who went for a very running back and onesie heavy start selects Amari Cooper at wide receiver 16 they're in the middle of the third round and the next couple of guys who are selected are Keenan Allen and Debo Samuel. Allen's somebody who we have well above ADP, so that pick, I think, fits exactly with where our rankings are. Debo Samuel, a little bit of a tricky guy, but certainly when you get him late in the third, you're happy about that. What I think it illustrates here is that, I mean, that tear break is not just a tear break. You fall off a cliff. And so even though you know that you need to get say five wide receivers in the first seven rounds that's one of the real goals in almost any of these drafts round three is probably a running back round we see it again here amari cooper at wide receiver 16 i'd be surprised if he finishes in the top 30. now a little bit of that is still the belief that coming off of the relatively poor final season in dallas and then last year where there's no target competition he actually performs extremely well with jacoby Brissett. but they make that qb change to deshaun watson There's no rapport there. He finishes on a skin, And it's easy to say, well, a lot of that is just due to the fact that Watson wasn't ready to play. You have the shakeup. You don't really want to be in a situation late in the year like that where you're making the QB change and the guy hasn't played much and you haven't practiced, all of that kind of thing. And yet the other thing that we do tend to see in cases like this is that the full season gives you the better picture. Anyway, Amari Cooper, we probably have a little bit of – an overly enthusiastic belief about what he did last year because he was so hot in the first two thirds, his overall season really still solid, but not great. Now you have a team where Elijah Moore has come in. I wouldn't be surprised if Elijah Moore is the number one on that particular team. The buzz in OTAs has been enthusiastic. Obviously you're going to get some puff pieces, you want to both track what's going on and also not get too up or down on the guys based on these puff pieces, but also the potential for DeAndre Hopkins to be there. I mean, Amari Cooper could easily be the number three target in this offense in 2023. Now, that's not likely, but it's a very realistic scenario that should be priced in. So again, we're going into Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, somebody that drafters and underdog have in the fourth round, Debo, someone where you can get Brandon Ayuk later this is really the big question for this time of the 2023 campaign is how do you approach the third round and Colin, unfortunately for us we do have some running backs we like in that range
1: yeah very much so we talked about for anyone that didn't hear friday's show we did talk through blair's article up on the website looking at his favorite picks through each of the opening rounds over at underdog in terms of the adp at the moment and one of the things sean we did talk about and you've kind of touched on it there is that zone particularly from Higgins depending if he goes off the board usually in the second round could be the third round but there is why running backs there that are very much of interest you do take Brees Hall in this obviously somebody who's a, a kind of priority target but Ramondre Stevenson's there um there is some other questionable running back names but there is a kind of a tier there for running backs but we talked about potentially trying to get three off the round four guys between rounds three four and five so taking one of them already getting another one and I feel like this is another example of it based on the kind of veteran tier that that may be aging out there may still be potential for those guys to hit in 2023 and even possibly beyond but I do think that we're looking at some of those guys potentially hitting age cliffs here where things could get get very tough very quickly and you mentioned Amari Cooper he could be one off those guys when we look at your team Sean I guess to, to dive into it a little bit starts with Jamar Chase at the Uh, wide receiver two overall your second pick you picked in the 102 spot then we get T Higgins Brees Hall Chris Godwin JSN George Pickens DeAndre Swift James Cook Javante Williams that is true nine rounds so we're sitting at five wide receivers four running backs you mentioned you know the goal of having five wide receivers through seven rounds you had those five wide receivers through six rounds before I dish out my thoughts on the team I guess I'll say how, how are you feeling so far through through nine rounds a bit i like
2: it and i mean again one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is that you should like your team because you should be prepared for the draft ideally you you should like it yeah and then you should be drafting players that you want to root for and you have enthusiasm for so as you go through these drafts don't let yourself get caught up in trying to hit other objectives that are more peripheral to that and get to the end and feel like you don't like it now i say that it is important to experiment even at the bbm4 level where you're thinking well you don't have an infinite number of entries, although you do get a lot, and you don't want to blow it at a $25 level because those $25 add up, we're still doing some experimentation. So it's not like everything is rote or you're only going after your guys every single draft, but you do want to enjoy these. So one of the things that was really sticking out to me and some listeners of the show, and then certainly some non-listeners of the show, people who maybe don't buy into the road philosophy as strongly, are going to say, well, but yeah, I mean, there are reasons you're getting these guys. But if you would have told me a couple of years ago that you could go five wide receivers in the first six rounds and your running back group would be Brees Hall, DeAndre Swift, James Cook, and Javante Williams, you would just say, no way. I and mean, there's no way that you could get those guys. I mean, DeAndre Swift in the seventh round. So there is some injury risk with Hall and Williams. This is a full year type of league. And so it's not a case where you're kind of hoping to get through and then beat a huge tournament in the playoffs. You're trying to beat these 11 guys. And if my running backs don't score early, that'll be an issue. And so you want to be aware of what the red flags are, what the hurdles are, why you would be able to get these players. But for me, the amount of talent that is represented by that group is is frankly pretty absurd and so i'm excited about it and you know we'll we'll see how the summer continues to develop there is the potential for bad news on hall and williams to move these guys down another round round and a half
1: and yet there's potential for that sean but any reports that have come out over the last two weeks and around camp you're always going to have you know you mentioned some puff pieces some buzz being spread out there but in 2023 we're able to see these guys you know operating via camera footage uh, and you know far where they are in their recovery at this point in June it, it looks a lot more positive than maybe we would have thought you know four to six weeks ago that it would be at this stage yeah and it seems like Hall will be ready and column, if Bruce Hall hadn't
2: gotten hurt which again he oh, he's did a, but if he he's hadn't probably gotten hurt,
1: where Austin Eckler goes in this draft which is the running back one
2: so the 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 105 overall?
1: Yeah, probably in that range. I, I think he's right up there. And he's definitely in the conversation for first running back drafted, I think. Is that too aggressive? I don't think so. What we saw from him
2: would be the type of profile that could actually push Travis Kelsey in this You know, 103, could push a Tyreek Hill. I don't think that in the new era that really any running back – I mean, if you have a peak – Christian McCaffrey in the perfect offense, then I think he still would be the one one Otherwise, it's going to be hard to really push Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. The wide receivers are so valuable, and those guys are so good. But Brees Hall, healthy. I mean, he's a more explosive version of Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, which, as we know, I mean, those were the guys who really ushered in the age of the Uber back. When running backs were winning fantasy leagues for folks, you had those guys. You had Todd Gurley. Behind them, you get Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey. We're going to get some of those guys again. And it may not be this year. It may be 2024. And i like, I mean, Sean, there's no point to drafting a good 2024 roster. That's not the goal. But when you look at names like Brees Hall and Javante Williams, I mean, those are the types of talents who, if we're back to running back heavy drafting a year from now, which Colin, frankly, I don't think is that unlikely. I don't it's not the most likely scenario but it's very possible that there's a big shift again at this point next year some of the culprits could be Holland Williams
1: yeah I definitely think like and and again you mentioned Williams he's a running back 31 in this draft that is your uh, pick in the ninth round you know I I just think there's room for a lot of things to change here even the likes of DeAndre Swift running back 22 going to Philadelphia there can be challenges obviously playing with Jalen Hurts but there's no doubt there's a lot of positives if he is you know the lead i don't even know if he has to necessarily be like getting every carry the problem was last year he was getting you know kind of some of the lower value touches and breaking off 60 yard runs and getting tackled inside the five yard line you know he i, I think things could also open up a lot for him james cook the, the other part i guess of your team sean that i really liked when i seen it first is these are all running backs and what we expect to be pretty high powered offenses heading into 2023 20, and and you're also getting them at at discounts it, it's not gonna be very often i don't think that you get all three of those guys in round seven round eight and round nine and drafts that's gonna be a challenge to do and there is other running backs going in those three rounds that we are not interested in but those three guys in particular like you know if, if you're springing forward 12 months and these guys are going in round two three and four i'm not gonna be one no, that again like you said if somebody had told you four years ago this is the team you could draft you would have been surprised I'm, I'm not going to be overly surprised if those guys are are bouncing back up next year because the concern around Williams is the injury and the concern then even if we go back to Brees Hall is the the injury there's no other reason I should have injury for Brees Hall to be where he is in the third round and, and I'm guessing as this footage comes out and the reports come out over the next let's say two months I think we might see him edge up into the the jonathan taylor side of things here where he's you know mid-second round pick
2: and we want to be very aware of the way the injuries work and that you have this potential for the player to not truly be himself you and i certainly on ceiling bananas with ben our shows and our content is more focused on talent than most other places. That's not to say that other fantasy sites and other fantasy managers don't want to draft talented players. They definitely do. But if we're focused on talent and the guy isn't himself, then that's not really who you're drafting. So you have to be aware of that. You also have to be aware that with all of these running backs, you have the potential for re-injury. I mean, one of the questions as well would be, I mean, DeAndre Swift, you think about that first game and a half last year, if he doesn't get hurt, where is he going? And this is a guy who I get in the early seventh His ADP in underdog, again, right there. If he doesn't have those injuries last season, you're talking about him as Austin Eckler. You're talking about him as a one-two turn kind of pick. But with DeAndre Swift, we have a really long track record of him not being able to stay healthy. We don't expect him to get through it. We don't expect him to be able to handle a heavy workload. But that's one of the reasons why the Philadelphia landing spot is so important, because that's A team where especially in best ball and you don't have to guess when those points are going to come he's going to be able to score a lot on a relatively limited workload the other thing that i just like to mention here is that with swift i either want swift or penny on almost every team because it's going to be really difficult now it's it's possible i mean it, it may turn out that kenneth gainwell is the guy that you want because both of these guys get hurt we know they have trouble staying healthy but I want either Swift or Penny on every team. The same thing is true with Javante Williams where Samaje Pirine in the underdog drafted it last night, he went ahead of Javante Williams. I want one of those two guys on almost every team. So the offense is there. As you mentioned, Colin, that's a big part of it. We think that the contingency based element of the scoring for these backs favors both of them and the prices in this case on both guys are fantastic. So good in fact that I think that you can actually draft them together and not have it be a handcuff or a conservative type of play, but really just simply drafting two guys who are going to score a lot of points. So I'm not urging people to do that, but if you get in the right spot in your draft, you already have one and the other guy is just the screaming value. You know don't ignore the possibility of simply taking both. Column looking at these other picks then. Start Chase, Higgins, Brees Hall, then Chris Godwin, JSN, Pickens. Swift, Cook, Williams. Looking at that four, five, six range, where it's Godwin, JSN, Pickens, what would you have done differently there? And again, to give a little bit of a, a feel, the two guys who went off the board right before Godwin were Jerry Judy and Drake London. Obviously, we're hoping that Judy makes it to that spot. At the turn then, in between, are Christian Kirk and Marquise Brown. I think those are good picks for Pat, but they're not guys I was targeting. I take JSN, and the next two picks later on in that, round or next three i should say giving a little feel for round five Are dj Moore, mike williams and michael pittman all three of those guys arguably have you know big names but also some huge problems for 2023 and then as it comes back round six was a little bit frustrating the middle of the round that is IUK, Traylon burks goes two picks ahead of me that was the target that i had then jordan addison i picked pickens and I'm not gonna give spoilers on the guys at the turn who were both targets. Colin, how would you have navigated this?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: I think you've navigated it in very much the same way I think your thought process is when you're in round four and you're waiting for that pick where you eventually did Chris Godwin I think you're saying please Jerry Judy please Jerry Judy just get to me I think that's probably the thought process there and then when it is got like the the goal the ideal selection at that turn would have been to get Judy at your fourth pick and then at your fifth pick to get Chris Godwin I think if you were picking your pick by pick ideal draft for where things have I think you pretty much have what you would have picked heading into this draft, but I think that's what you would have, if you could have said the perfect scenario would be to have Judy and Godwin versus Godwin and, and JSN. I could be wrong on that, but that would be where I be saying. So when it gets to Godwin there, I think he's clearly the pick I would make at that point. And then the the discussion point is probably the, the JSN one, which is interesting. TJ Hawkinson goes three picks later. It's Aaron Jones, Lamar Jackson, TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson could be potentially interesting there for To lock up that tight end position and we won't spoil who the the white or the player was that you were talking about in round seven at the turn sean but it's another tight end i'm sure listeners will be able to put that piece of the jigsaw together for themselves so i think hawkinson could have been interesting there at the, the jsn spot you mentioned then and a bit like we talked about in round three once you go past t higgins you get into like a veteran tier of wide receivers where there is some question marks and you mentioned there dj moore who has been one of our Favorites for many years, you get Mike Williams, you get Michael Pittman. I think, you know, there's question marks as to how quick the quarterback situation there is, the the upgrade. But uh, the way he has it to play with you know, Matt Ryan, for example, uh last season, there's no doubt anyone throwing on the ball, I think, is going to help him this year. So he is a potentially interesting option there. But I think I might have, uh, if I was going to change it, may have gone Hawkinson there. The other one is we talked about this last week as well with Jahan Dotson. Love love Dotson. Like Pickens as well. I, I think I'm more in on, on Dotson, but again, playing the, the ADP game, you're usually going to get Dotson a couple of picks later, and he might have lasted at that turn, but he doesn't back to you at 7.02. So I, I think overall it's the, the same way I would have played it. The way I've talked through it there, Sean, is that kind of some of the thought process. Did Dotson, for example, come into consideration at that Pickens pick? Would this ideal situation here be to be Jerry, Judy, and Chris Godwin? And then the the part about Hawkinson, was there any thought on moving him in there in the, the 502? Hawkinson is tricky for me in this
2: campaign where one of the things that I do try and force myself to do, we talk a lot about optimism. We talk about understanding what the scenarios are and that you're pricing all of them. As opposed to just the most likely one and that good prices on some of the less likely scenarios if those scenarios are league winning you want to be very aware of them we also talk a little bit about not chasing your favorite guys up the board that happens with zero rb where you hit on guys in that round 10 range occasionally you hit on guys in the 15 16 range and they're the next season in rounds two and three and you've got to really force yourself to then answer the question. Well, can this guy now be a top five overall player? Because if I'm going to draft him in rounds two or three, that's where I need him to hit. If he's a running back, we can't simply take a guy who had a good season for us because we like him. Hawkinson is a player. I'm trying not to chase because there's also that track record of him being not just a guy, but not being in this top group and one of the elements here that I do have a little trouble with, I've had people ask me, you know, why do you have JSN so high? We will kind of go through that as the offseason progresses. For me, there's a huge gap between him and those next three guys who are drafted right behind him. And so the Seahawks, certainly you would argue, got a great deal. Now, we do really like Addison and really like Quinton Johnston, which – Gives you a sense of how much we like JSN if there's, again, a big tear break. But Addison, I have more trouble with. When you have Justin Jefferson there as a superstar who is going to be 1,500 yards that you can just put in the bank and, you know, that's not going to go to the other receivers. You have Hawkinson there as a target hog. But I think with both of those guys in play behind Jefferson that You then have to argue that KJ Osborne is not going to get much of anything. The running backs are not going to get a lot. It's not going to be an offense that kind of evolves in the direction of Alexander Madison and the understudies emerging to take a big portion of the offense. If you're going to value Hawkinson and Addison at these prices, they have to really concentrate what's left of the offense behind. Jefferson. Now, in many ways, that's probably the most likely scenario, but it's the only scenario where you're going to get these guys to pay off other than injury. Now, I mean, injury is also somewhat likely, but you have ceiling prices that you're paying, I think. And so from that perspective, it's a little bit worrying. Now, arguably a ceiling price that we're paying on JSN as well, but for him, the ceiling i think is a a season like we've gotten from jefferson or we've gotten from chase and so i guess the argument would simply be that at wide receiver 29 you still have you know quite a bit of room to outperform that so that would be the case there with hawkinson and why i mean i'm still drafting him pete and i drafted him last week you and i have drafted him and yet i'm trying to keep that exposure reasonable because i do think that it's a little bit of a chase element on him where well, we really are chasing a couple of those big games from last season it, it, just in terms of what adp is in general i mean usually when you and i are taking him it's at a good adp or it's below adp you look here and it was exactly the issue that i was going through as i was trying to decide whether or not to take pickens and how to play it i'm thinking okay my targets here are pickens dotson and Pitts. how can i get two out of the three i only got one out of the three now the consolation. The, the, is that the I, good
1: news I, is the good news is there, Sean. No matter how you played it, unless you skipped on pickings <laughs> and he skipped on them, there was no way to get two out of the three. That's true.
2: That's true. And the consolation was that the, the once I worked through it and I got over the fact that I wasn't necessarily planning to take a running back there, Swift actually was the fourth guy. So I had four guys. You get two of them, you're very happy. After Swift, I really dislike the entire rest of the seventh round you have david montgomery cam Akers, brandon Cooks, gabe davis you do kind of like dallas goddard there in the mid seven anthony richardson darren waller james connor quinton johnston and isaiah pacheco Colin, those guys could score you can understand their prices but it is something where if you have the second overall pick there are going to be some downsides in that you're maybe not going to be able to get as many values. You're not going to be able to control the board. You might have to pick somebody early. Like I did it with JSN. If you think that he's the guy, you're not going to necessarily get as good a price. And yet there is the value of having the early pick. You get that early pick in seven, depending on how the board is set up. You may be the last drafter to get someone before the value completely collapses. So I'm I'm grateful for having that second pick because I do think that there's a tier break after Swift
1: yeah there's a couple of and we mentioned obviously with the the breeze hall pick as well i think there's a couple of tear breaks that you just managed to miss out on so pretty nice team through those opening nine rounds there is 20 rounds in this so maybe on a, on a show next week we might follow up to see how the back half of the draft goes out and how sean feels about how things settle up in this one but we will be back on wednesday with another show as always if you are interested in signing up over at to get access to all the content and tools over there, including Sean's work, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to save yourself 10% off a one-year Rotaviz pass. Already looking forward, Sean, to those drafts that we will be having this weekend against some of the listeners. Those will come out as feature podcasts over the next couple of weeks, so you'll get our thoughts while we are on the clock in those ones. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at over to Martin, My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out all of his work up on Rotoviz.com and until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rodoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rhodevis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, roteviz.com forward slash podcast.